Hello everybody, I'm Dr. Armen, Professor Armen Astvatsatrian from Yerevan, Armenia. You are on a Dr. Y channel, my dear friends. Uh, so, we continue to talk about your exams, tests and clinical cases, and let's continue. So, once again, my good advice to you, take your pens, papers, of course, to note, key points, and anyway, I do advise you to re-listening these lectures to understand the point of these topics, okay? So, we continue. Five questions plus. Please give, give us the questions. Mm -hmm. So, be careful, my friends. Question. In a patient with dyspnea and fatigue on exertion, core pulmonale, due to COEPD, no, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is suspected. Okay, so patient with dyspnea and fatigue on exertion, cold pulmonale, due to coronary obstructive pulmonary disease, is suspected. Okay, after, after physical examination, which of the following imaging, imaging techniques, imaging studies, is most appropriate, appropriate, to evaluate left ventricle and right ventricle, left and right ventricle functions in this patient. So once again, okay, it's obvious, of course, but anyway, let's, uh, once again, huh? in a patient with a dyspnea and fatigue on exertion, core pulmonale due, due to coronary obstructive pulmonary disease is suspected. So, after physical examination, which of the following imaging studies is most appropriate to evaluate left ventricle and right ventricle function in this patient? So, we have to evaluate actually geometry to understand the problem. Yes, no, of course, this is echocardiography, but anyway, let's see the options. Give me the options, please. Uh -huh. Chest X-ray. No. ECG. So, dyspnea and exertion. No, but so the question is what's uh, imaging studies? In the ECG, it's not imaging studies at all. To evaluate left ventricle and right ventricle functions. Echocardiography, finally, and standard CT scan. Of course, our answer is echocardiography. See, because echocardiography is best to evaluate left and right ventricle functions of patients. In this situation of, uh, actually, with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Actually, chest X-ray and ECG can be done, but because of pulmonary hyperinflation and bullying in patients with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, these two studies can be insensitive. But anyway, why not? We have to do uh, ECG to all patients. Uh, standard CT uh, no, has limited usefulness. It's quite expensive and low information. Echocardiography with best technician is the best option. So, on the question, in a patient with dyspnea and fatigue on exertion, corpulmonale, uh, a patient with pulmonary edema, I'm so sorry, in a patient with dyspnea and fatigue on exertion, Core pulmonale due to chronic obstructive pulmonary disease is highly suspected. So we have patient with fatigue on exertion and dyspnea. Yes, it could be heart, uh, of course, left ventricle heart failure, but anyway, this patient has a uh, suspected coronary obstructive pulmonary disease. Maybe he's a smoker. 
So after physical examination, which test study, imaging study is most appropriate to evaluate left ventricle and left ventricle, uh, so of course this is echocardiography, but ECG we have to do anyway to understand what's happening with this patient. Because we can we have we can have end heart failure and right failure in the same patient. Actually it happens in this manner. Mm, in this way. So correct answer is echocardiography, ECG, why not? So not sure actually why not? We have to do anyway. But ECG is not the imaging technique. You know. It's electric picture of the heart, yes. Okay. Echocardiography is a correct answer. Let's continue. A patient with uh, has a uh, la, 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 la. ah okay. A patient has a pulmonary edema as a result of corpulmonale. Uh, patient has a pulmonary edema as a result of corpulmonale. Hmm, not good sign at all. If left ventricle failure and pulmonary fluid overload are also present in this patient, which of the following types of drugs is most appropriate pharmacotherapy to treat? So actually we have to pray. Uh, so we have patient actually with two problems, right and left ventricle, right and left ventricles failure. So patient has got a pulmonary edema as a result of a corpulmonale. And if left ventricle failure and pulmonary fluid overload also present in this patient, which of the following types of drugs is most appropriate pharmacotherapy to treat corpulmonale? A stuss question, uh, a weird question, but anyway. So give me options, anticoagulants, uh, diuretics, yes, diuretics, endotelline receptor blockers, pulmonary vasodilators. Of course, answer is a diuretics, uh, because treatment of corpus, we know, actually, okay, treatment with... Uh, Actually, management of corpus pulmonale with diuretics is usually contraindicated because uh, small decreases in preload can worsen corpus pulmonale. Yeah, can worsen. However, however, if left ventricle failure and pulmonary fluid overload are present, then diuretics are appropriate treatment. So, if we have two uh, failures at the same time, left and right. So if left ventricle failure and pulmonary fluid overload present, so then the diuretics are appropriate treatment. Concerning anticoagulants, uh, for patients with chronic corpulmonale, long-term anticoagulants, yes, reduce risk of venous thromboembolism. But the question was to treat pulmonary edema. Anticoagulant can't treat pulmonary edema. Like a Prevention problems, preventive problems, okay, but patient person is going to die. So, but for a long long treatment, why not? So actually, why not? We have to do, give this persons uh, anticoagulants. Uh, concerning endotelin receptor blockers, the treatment of corpulmonale with endotelin receptor blockers not been studied. Actually, I don't like this. Uh, groups of the class of group, class of medicals. Uh, anyway, this is not uh, endotelin receptor blockers case and choice pulmonary vasodilators is ineffective at all in treating pulmonale. So, let's make the period. A patient who has a pulmonary edema as a result of pulmonale. if left ventricle uh, failure and pulmonary fluid overload also present in this patient, diuretics is a choice 
uh, most appropriate pharmacotherapy to treat this case, to treat corporal monale. Okay, about 50% of patients with deep vein thrombosis also have which of the following conditions? Huh. About half of patients with deep left vein thrombosis, deep vein thrombosis, also have which of the following conditions? Uh -huh. So, about 50% of the patients, my friend, with deep vein thrombosis, also have which of the following conditions? Occult cancer, maybe present. Occult pulmonary emboli, yeah, occult pulmonary emboli, highly, very highly likely, highly likely. Uh, protein C deficiency, and sickle cell anemia, anemia. no, no, of course, uh, uh, quite answer is uh, about 50% of patients with deep venous thrombosis have occult uh, acute pulmonary emboli and at least 30% of patients with uh, pulmonary emboli have demonstrated deep venous thrombosis. So it's actually it's brother and sister. Pulmonary emboli and deep venous thrombosis. Concerning acute cancers, uh, acute cancers may be present in patients with apparently idiopathic deep venous thrombosis, but but extensive evaluation of patients for tumors is not recommended unless patients have major risk factor for cancer or symptoms uh, suggestive of acute cancer. Concerning protein C deficiency and sickle cell anemia, there are, of course, risk factors uh, for DVD. So our answer is acute uh, pulmonary emboli. So once again, the question. So about 50%, half of patients with deep vein thrombosis also have which of the following conditions also have occult pulmonary emboli because about 50% you really have a cold pulmonary emboli, and <coughs> at least uh, one third of patients with pulmonary emboli have demonstrated deep venous thrombosis. In uh, hospital thrombosis, another question. Uh, in a hospital thrombosis, may be responsible for 50% patient death a year in the United States. So, in hospital thrombosis, may be responsible for more than 50% patients death a year in the United States in hospital thrombosis because lack of physical activity, hypodynamia, hypodynamic dehydration. So which of the following categories requires routine deep vein thrombosis? Prophylaxis. So we talk about preventive medicine. Uh -huh. In hospital, good question actually, uh, not obvious at all. In hospital thrombosis, in hospital, uh, maybe responsible for more than 50,000 patients death a year in the United States. Which of the following categories requires routine deep venous thrombosis prophylaxis? All postpartum patients, all postpartum patients, all hospitalized patients. Uh, most critical care unit patients, this one, most critical care unit patients, and patients hospitalized for more than three days. My friend's answer is most critical care unit patients. Patients who should be given deep venous thrombosis prophylaxis, 
Prophylaxis includes those undergoing minor surgery, if they have clinical risk factors for deep venous thrombosis. Those undergoing major surgery, special orthopedic surgery, even without risk, risk factors, and bed-bound patients with major medical illness, for example, most critical care unit patients, other patients with heart failure, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, chronic liver disease, or stroke. Concerning all Spartan patients, all hospitalized patients, and patients hospitalized for more than three days, actually, uh, hospitalization itself is not considered as a risk factor. Uh, no, we, yes, we can, but not a major risk factor. If patient is active, it's not a problem. And hospitalized patients not in one of these categories do not require routine deep venous thrombosis prophylaxis. But, with, uh, but uh, of course, uh, we have to understand that uh, lack of uh, physical activity can provoke this problem. Anyway, most critical care unit patients, because lack of their physical activity, are under the uh, high risk, of course. So, in question of the in-hospital thrombosis may be responsible for more than 50,000 patients death a year in the United States, which ca category requires routine deep venous thrombosis, no aggressive, uh, active deep venous thrombosis prophylaxis, more uh, most critical care unit patients. Yes. <coughs> and the last question for today, duration of anticoagulation treatment varies depending on the risk of deep venous thrombosis. Which of the following scenarios suggest the need to continue warfarin treatment for at least six months? Hmm. Duration of anticoagulation treatment varies depend on the risk of deep venous thrombosis. Yeah. Which of the following scenarios suggests uh, the need to continue warfarin treatment for at least six months. Okay, open the uh, opportunities, choices. Major orthopedic surgery, no. no. Illness requiring immobilization. Like that's long. Another option, idiopathic deep venous thrombosis and endothelial injuries such as that such as that due to intravenous catheter or limb trauma. But we talk about masses of warfarin. So answer is um, idiopathic deep venous thrombosis, my friends. Idiopathic or unprovoked deep venous thrombosis. Actually, idiopathic, we use this term when we want to say that we don't know the origin. What is the what is the reason of this uh, problem? That is why it's idiopathic. Actually, idea to come from this. Huh? So, idiopathic or unprovoked divinous thrombosis with no known risk factors. Also, patients with non-modifiable uh, risk factors, non-modifiable, for example, uh, hypercoagulability or recurrent deep venous thrombosis, should take warfarin at least six months, my friends. And in selected patients, in selected patients, probably for life, unless complications occur. Concerning major orthopedic surgery, illness requiring immobilization, endothelial injury, such as that you do to intravenous catheter, 
catheters or limpid trauma. Patients with these conditions, which are transient or modifiable risk factors, can usually stop taking warfarin after three to six months, not more than that. So uh, if we talk about at least six months or six months and more, huh? so duration of anticoagulation, uh, depending on risk of deep venous thrombosis, depends of uh, in situation of idiopathic deep venous thrombosis is more than six months, maybe for whole life. Yes. Uh, for, lo for life, for life treatment, yes, unless complications occur. Uh, yes, it's not a good choice, but anyway, no other, no, no other options, as they said. So, thank you very much, my dear friends, for your uh, attention. See you in another lectures, in another questions, in other exact, uh, tests and clinical uh, cases. Don't forget to make uh, subscribe Dr. Y channel. And not just subscribe and follow. Huh? So, God bless you. See you in another lectures.